Hello, and welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where the world's top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today, our leader is EY's Carmine DeCivio. He'll explain how this firm is upskilling its workforce to meet future challenges in tech and sustainability, and the unique role that neurodiversity is playing in that effort. If you're an organization that doesn't have a purpose, you're not going to attract the best talent. You're not going to, you know, you're really not going to survive in the long run. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm your host, Linda Lucina, and this is Meet the Leader. The days of the imperial CEOs, they're gone. They're completely gone. Carmine DeCivio is the global chairman and CEO of EY one of the world's largest professional services firms. He spent more than 35 years at EY, and his story includes immigrating to America at age three and being the first in his family to go to college. Of course, opportunity gaps are widening, and to bridge those gaps, EY has developed unique programs to upskill its teams, helping them keep pace with technologies such as AI and blockchain, and it's also creating opportunities for people who are often overlooked, like people with autism. These workers have skills that are urgently needed, skills in analytics and pattern recognition, but few find full-time work. EY's neurodiversity program has found a way to put their talents to use. They are extraordinary in technology, but haven't had the opportunity to be in the job market and able to, to do things like this that easily. With 300,000 employees, Carmine understands the impact that his company can have at scale. It plans to go carbon negative later this year, and Carmine has been one of the voices calling for companies to adopt the ESG metrics, the non-financial metrics that measure how companies are doing for society, how they're addressing problems like gender pay gaps or environmental protection. You need to have a purpose, you need to have a strategy and ambition. Everything we do at EY should revolve around building a better working world. He'll talk about creating opportunity and the priorities that modern leaders must take seriously. But first, He'll chat about the early days that shaped him. My family and I immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was three years old. It was 1966. We immigrated from Italy. We, um, we settled in a, a town on the north shore of Long Island in the New York area called Glen Cove. My first language was Italian, and I learned English in the schools. And I went to the uh, Glen Cove public schools. And one of the things that my parents stressed to both my brother and I, as we were growing up, is the value of education. And so while they were more blue collar workers, my father was in construction and my mother was a seamstress, the mentality was if you got a 95 on a test, that wasn't good enough. Why didn't you get a hundred? That, that's what I would hear from my father uh, in particular, and at times my mother as well. So that, uh, that drove a certain set of behaviors in terms of achieving and doing well uh, educationally. The foods that I was eating as a child and you know, as a, certainly as a teenager were really not that popular back in the 70s and so forth. And, and when, I, when I had um, a sandwich, for example, and it was a prosciutto sandwich, kids would look at me funny because they all had bologna sandwiches. So... It's, uh, it's something that I learned in terms of being a little bit different and being in a different culture, which has impacted me today. 
So how has that given you a perspective in certain situations that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise? Well, I think I think what it's done is it's it's really um, made me think a lot in terms of making sure that everyone belongs um, and uh, and that no one's left behind. And so I very much, whether it's in our team meetings and so forth, I always want to make sure that everyone feels like they belong. They feel like they're contributing. They feel like they're a part of the team. Uh, and that's something that uh, I think I was taught at a, at a very young age, what it feels like uh, when you're not part of the team. And given that, what do you want to make sure remains in place at EY? One of the greatest assets we have at EY is our culture, and our culture is all around teaming. And so, you know, one thing that I never really tolerated are people who don't team, who don't work well with one another. And as I got into leadership roles, I actually made it a point to evaluate people around their teaming. And to this day, one of the evaluation criteria for our partners is all around teaming uh, and how they team with one another and how they work well together with one another. We mentioned you were the first in your family to go to college. How is the future that you imagine now different than the future that you were able to imagine then? I was always driven, but I never could imagine that I would be in this role that I'm in now, or frankly, that I would even be at EY or that I would have stayed at EY for all this time. I feel like I need to give back and I need to make sure that I'm serving our people at EY and our partners and that I am you know, making sure that the firm grows so they have more opportunities. So that's, you know, that's a little bit different, certainly than what I imagined back when I was a 22-year-old kid. So EY has a special tech MBA program. Can you tell me a little bit about that and uh, why that's so important? As everything becomes more technology-oriented, we want to make sure that all our people are upskilled so that they can be very functional and very value-added in uh, in an, you know an EY that's that's more digitized than ever before. So we started with a couple programs. We uh, we have a program called our Badges program, and so you can get a ba- a badge in blockchain. And we have different gradations: bronze, silver, gold type type gradations. In terms of you know the more time you put in, the higher your badge. And that's been incredibly popular, and has been even more popular during the pandemic. With that then came the opportunity to really provide something a little bit more robust, and that's this Tech MBA. It's free to our employees, and it really gives them a good sense of technology all the way around. It's a robust you know, MBA. And obviously, most of this uh, will be delivered online, much of it. And so it's very economical for us to do it. And it also obviously upskills our people so they could be very value-added in, uh, in a new EY. With these initiatives, there's also a priority given to sustainability and to leadership. So why is that combination so important right now? Yeah, and that's, that's a good question. That combination, frankly, is the future. And I think the pandemic has actually made the future actually come to us much faster. If you think about what's happened over the last nine months and so forth. It's really been around the firms that have done well, that have been able to be resilient to the pandemic are firms that invested in technology. And, but technology, to your point, is not enough. Uh, you need leadership, you need soft skills, you need people skills along with technology. And that's, 
that's the whole emphasis of our tech MBA. And frankly, it's the whole emphasis of a lot of our learning at EY in general. And what we've seen is that though the combination of those two is, is what's making our most effective leaders effective in this environment. And frankly, it's the future in terms of what our leaders are going to be like, you know, three, five, 10 years from now. Long-term value is a big focus for any company, but it's especially important for EY. Can you talk a little bit about this? Our future strategy is called Next Wave. It's really based on the long-term value framework, being that we have to make sure that we are driving all our stakeholders, and that's clients, people, and society. And we're measuring our leaders around all three of those, as well as financial, it's really four measurements. Having a basis in in long-term value, and that's what's gonna make EY the long-term winner. It's what's gonna keep EY as a leading firm for the next 150 years. The second is around people and uh, the importance of talent. You mentioned the tech MBA and upskilling our talent, but also recruiting our best talent. And then the the other piece is around society. We truly believe that we need to do more around society, around our local communities. Our ambition as an organization is to be the world's most distinctive professional services firm, distinctive and trusted. But the the theme going through everything we're doing in Next Wave is around technology and investing in technology and really transforming EY into a really much more of a digital firm than we were before. That leads me to the ESG metrics, the environmental, social, and governance measures that look at how companies are doing right for the world. Can you talk a little about your part in this? I'm working on the project with the International Business Council of the World Economic Forum around developing more simple, holistic metrics uh, that run across all the different areas of ESG and, uh, and not only us, but the other big four joined us in this, as well as Bank of America. And we came up with 21 metrics, core metrics that are simple, that uh, we're really hoping that more and more companies um, disclose and sign up to, because that will show progress. And I should say IBC members, as well as BRT members, as well as just companies around the world. There's been a growing traction for stakeholder capitalism, the approach that looks for planet over profit. How do the ESG metrics align with EY's other efforts? I think more and more people are realizing how important it is. Um, and I actually think this pandemic has even you know, shown a light on that even more than, than before. You know, I think people are really thinking about, even for companies and for business, it has to be more than just shareholder return. It has to be more than just profit. We have to do more. It's needed. It's needed for our people. It's needed for our societies. We know that to make progress on many of the big sort of social and environmental goals that we have, we, we do need to sort of attack many targets at once. And uh, lots of EY programs are doing that. They are serving multiple stakeholders. And I want to talk a little bit about the work that EY is doing in neurodiversity and this idea that different brains work differently and the importance of reducing stigma around that difference. Tell me a little bit about this and how EY has been tackling it. So what it really entails are people who are very talented, but who fall on the spectrum, uh, in particular on the autistic spectrum, 
that frankly haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of what they can do. And they are extraordinary in technology. They're incredibly bright. They have tremendous amount of perseverance and they, they think a bit differently maybe than you and I in a good way to solve problems. These people can do tremendous work, but that's never really been harvested and they've never really had the opportunity. So we started uh, with one center in the U.S. that our team really brought together a group of neurodiverse people um, and started working in in different technology areas. And uh, that expanded to several locations in the U.S. with more that are opening up uh, in terms of these centers, as well as now we're starting to open up centers globally. In addition, we're getting and we've been teaming with our clients to do the same. In some locations, we're actually doing it together with some of our clients. And in other locations, we're doing it more on our own. And we've had just tremendous success with this. And for us, this is not about uh, charity or anything like that. This is about really us having top talent to serve our clients. We have these people working across all different types of technologies, whether it's you know helping our clients go to the cloud, whether it's around artificial intelligence. A lot of them are working on teams in security and IT security. A lot of them are working on teams around blockchain. And so that it, it has been incredibly successful for us. Absolutely. And what sort of impact has the program had so far? Well, it's had, it's had impact in terms of, you know, these people are generating revenue. So it certainly had a positive financial impact but it's really shown a lot around our culture at EY, and in particular, our culture around diversity and inclusiveness. So here's another group of people that, for the most part, probably were not feeling included. You know, we're not really able to be in the job market and able to, to do things like this that easily, and uh, we're providing that opportunity for them. So it's made, it's made our people, obviously it's made the, uh, the people who are neurodiverse very happy in terms of them being very productive and loving what they're doing. But it's made the whole organization feel really good about the program and how we're utilizing the program and the good we're doing, as well as the business aspect of it. I was reading about the program online and how a different process for training was developed, that instead of letting people learn on the job, uh, as might have been usual, different parts of the process were broken into little steps was more tailored to people's specific needs. And what I thought was really interesting about that is that a lot of people who may not have been exposed to this community may not realize what those people need to be successful. So even a manager who might be really empathetic and very compassionate would not really be serving their people's best needs. Anyway, how important is it to keep expanding the ways that people can be empathetic and compassionate in order to meet their needs? We went into this eyes wide open with a lot of research around what neurodiversity is, what autism is, how people learn. And so I guess the word here is nimble. We need to be nimble in terms of how we, um, you know, how we skill our employees, how we skill our people. Not everyone learns the same way besides neurodiverse people, but people who aren't neurodiverse. So some people learn better, for example, using videos. Some people learn better by reading. 
And so we try to really be nimble uh, in those areas in terms of our, our entire learning process and training. You talked about this, but I think it's worth driving home that a purpose-driven program can also be good for the bottom line. Can you talk a bit about that, about how these programs serve all masters? Everything we do at EY should revolve around building a better working world. And in fact, we make sure that all our people understand what that means in detail and what it means for them and how does that fit into our overall mission of building a better working world. Today, if you're an organization that doesn't have a purpose, you're not gonna attract the best talent. You're not gonna, you know, you're really not gonna survive in the long run. You're on the board for the Foundation for Empowering Citizens with Autism and you're the founding member of the Autism at Work Roundtable. Why is neurodiversity personally important to you? Yeah, th that's a good question. Thank you for asking. One of my best friends growing up, he uh, he was one of the first in our group to get married uh, and then have a kid. And so his uh, first child, her name is Christine. She was a beautiful baby girl. My then fiance and I would go visit them and play with her. And she was great. I guess when she was three or four months old, she started regressing and then she was diagnosed as being autistic. So we, my fiance, now my wife and I actually helped them raise money to start a school for autistic kids. It's in Chappaqua, New York, right near Mount Kisco. It's now, it's now called the Devereaux Learning School. But at the time, um, they needed uh, money to start it. And once you had a certain amount of money, you would actually be able to apply to the state for additional funds and for more substantial funds. And uh, we were able to help them raise money by actually throwing uh, big parties in New York. And to this day, I, I still am involved in some of the fundraising uh, for the organization and the school. Christine is 30 years old, I guess now, if my math is right, 30 years old or so. And she went through that schooling. And that's my personal tie to, to autism. If EY didn't have these programs for neurodiversity or inclusivity in place, what would be lost? What would be the worst case scenario? On a tremendous amount of talent and talent in areas that we absolutely need. So that would be one. Two, you know, I don't think we'd be living up to our values in terms of really having a diverse organization. And three, we would be losing out to our competitors and probably losing revenue. Is there a particular book that you recommend, something that you think, you know, gosh, if everybody had read this, uh, everyone would be on the same page? I don't, I don't have a particular recommendation of a book, but, you know, I truly believe in capitalism. And one of the books I read, that's not a New York Times bestseller or anything, but it's a book, it's called I Love Capitalism. It's Ken Langone's book in terms of what he went through, and it's a little bit of his life story. But it's truly a, a great book around believing in capitalism what it can do on the positive side. Ken, someone who, you know, started in, in the middle class and obviously went on to found Home Depot and has given back so much. And so I found that to be an interesting book and a book to read in terms of what good capitalism has done. And if someone read this, what would be the takeaway in your mind? What would be the lesson learned? Um, I think the, the lesson learned would be is that capitalism provides a lot of opportunity for many different types of people. And if you work hard, it will be beneficial to you. So 2020 was a heck of a year. Uh, what do you think the world has in store for us in 2021? Is there a positive change that you foresee, something that we should be looking forward to? 
Well, I think I think everything that's going to happen in 2021 is probably going to be positive versus 2020. So, so let me start with that. Do I see positive change? Absolutely. We can't have more negative change. It's got to be positive. I'm actually very bullish about 2021. I think um, I think we're going to come out of this pandemic. I think economies are going to come roaring back. I think climate's going to be a big piece that's that I think people are more focused on. You know, as we go as we go forward. And I think diversity and inclusiveness is another piece uh, uh, that I think we're going to have more and more positive news as well. So I, I do think everything we're talking about will be more on the positive side in 2021 as people learn more about it, as companies get more engaged, and and frankly, uh, as the politicians do more around this as well. So the pandemic has given lots of emphasis to gaps in our society, gaps in diversity, gaps in climate. What is your best advice for how we can keep the momentum going to keep progress moving on bridging those gaps? I do think leaders have to step up here and leaders have to continue to push their organizations around this. But I also think employees will make sure that we stay focused on this. You know, young people are very, very focused around client and diversity. And so I think young people will force leaders to make sure that they stay focused. I hope that the investor communities, asset managers and asset owners really embrace this more and more. I think that's a group that can do more. And hopefully in 2021, they will do more. You have been at EY for more than 35 years. In your opinion, how have you changed as a leader during that time? You know, I've I've learned. I mean, I tell all our people at EY that that if you're not learning, if if you're at a job and you're not learning, you should change your job because to me, going to work every day is all around learning. I get a lot of energy and I really learn through talking to our people, and so that happens every day, every hour hour of every day. I got on a Zoom call today to talk to one of our teams that just won a big assignment in China. So I was talking to them, but I learned a lot in terms of on the ground, uh, what's happening in China right now with the virus. You know, I talked a lot with them about, uh, are they going to restaurants? Are they wearing their mask? Are they not? So that gives me a lot of insights when I talk to clients and we talk about China in terms of what it's really like in China. So that's just an example of a small thing that I learned today. The more curious you are on whatever the topic is, the more you want to understand the better the question, uh, and what we have a saying, the better the question, the better the answer. Um, but I think that's that's the key, being curious. And why is that important for a manager? I, I think some people would think that of curiosity only in terms of taking in knowledge, but not necessarily about curiosity when it comes to steering people and leading them. Why is curiosity such an important piece in that puzzle? To be an effective manager today or to be an effective CEO, you have to really know how to, as I said before, motivate and, and how to listen to, to your employees and your people. You know, the days of the imperial CEOs, they're gone. They're completely gone. I think a lot of the imperial CEOs of 20 years ago wouldn't last a week today in, in the role because they were more used to top down. They and a small team would dictate what happens and just dictate that through the organization. Today, it doesn't work that way. Today, you have to really bring the organization along, making sure that the organization understands what you're trying to do, where you're trying to get at. And to do that, you need to have a purpose, you need to have a strategy and ambition and so forth. So 
That's why it's important. You have to ask and understand your people to be able to really manage today. That was Carmine DeCivio. And just before we go, here's a sneak preview of our next Meet the Leader with Signify CEO, Eric Rondelot. Signify has lit the world for more than a century, founded as the Philips Company in the Netherlands in 1891, making carbon filament lamps. Since then, it's realized the positive impact its innovations can have on the planet, and its sustainable, energy-efficient technologies today have been installed in homes, arenas, and even the Notre Dame Cathedral. How can you grow a company while at the same time respecting uh, the planet and making sure that there would be a balance between the growth of the company and respect of the planet. The company achieved carbon neutrality last September, learning firsthand how such a commitment triggers changes throughout a business, reinventing everything from sourcing to product design and even distribution. It was not a big step, it was small steps one after the other one, but systematically moving in, in, in the same direction. In our next episode, Eric will take us through what it took to achieve carbon neutrality and how it changed the company. He'll also share his lessons learned and what's next for leaders after meeting neutrality goals. We realize that it's not only about improving what we have, it's about redesigning, thinking differently. Subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and other top platforms. My thanks go out to Gareth Nolan, Robin Pomeroy, and Anna Bruce Lockhart for all of their help with the production of this episode. Thanks, of course, go to this week's guest, Carmine DeCivio. And thanks to you for listening. Please take a moment to rate and review our podcasts. And for more extensive Q&As from our guests, go online to wef.ch podcasts. And follow us online on social media at Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and on Twitter using the handle WEF. That's it for me. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.